The Neurotransmission podcast series is created by Novartis Pharma AG to help raise awareness and understanding in the community of neurological conditions. The views expressed in this episode and the podcast series are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of Novartis Pharma AG. Please visit www.novartis.com and then find our focus and choose neuroscience for more information. Hi everyone and welcome to our second episode of Neurotransmissions. My name is Ellen Marshall and I've been living with MS for five years now, diagnosed in 2015 with the relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis. Since being diagnosed, I've really thrown myself into doing advocacy work and I'm super excited to be hosting this podcast that aims to bring the MS information from experts to the community. Joining me today is Karen Moritz and I'll hand over to you Karen to introduce yourself. Thanks so much Ellen. Um, Hi everyone, I'm Karen. I was diagnosed with MS around nine years ago. I've held several managerial positions in various organisations, but my most recent roles have been around multiple sclerosis and disability. I used my experience with MS and my postgraduate qualification in nutrition while I was health coaching for a patient support program in Australia. I now peer support people living with MS in Australia, um, just in my spare time. But I work full-time for an Australian government agency, which has rolled out such an innovative scheme across Australia uh, to people living with a disability, including those living with MS. That sounds amazing. Um, You sound like you do quite a lot in the MS community and especially living with an illness yourself. I can understand how that can be testing the best of times and I can't wait to find out more about you and your experiences with with what you do work-wise as well. Just to do something slightly different, I was just thinking a second ago that I've met you before in the past and I think I know what the answer is going to be to this question. So I thought maybe if we do it another way, we'll look like this is really magic and we're both on the same wavelength with this. So I was thinking if I do a countdown, if I go one, two, three, let's count up, isn't it? Not countdown. After I said three, tell me, and I'll say mine at the same time, what your worst MS symptom is. Should we do that? Sure thing. (laughs) One, two, three, fatigue. Fatigue. Oh, (laughs) nearly at the same time. (laughs) I knew you were going to say fatigue anyway, but I I definitely think it is my worst symptom and it hugely impacts my life and it impacts a lot of my other symptoms as well. And obviously it does for you too. So how would you describe your fatigue and how much it has an impact on your day-to-day life? Oh, look, fatigue is my worst MS symptom. Um, And when I was health coaching, I would say the majority of my clients would say fatigue was a real killer for them. You know, it's really different to normal fatigue as well. And I suppose I can compare that based on the fact that prior to being diagnosed with MS, fatigue was just feeling a little bit tired and you could sort of catch up on it reasonably quickly. Now fatigue for me sort of almost rules my life and I've got to plan so much. It's a big issue for me. Depending on um, the study that you look at, a lot of studies say that between 80 and 90% of people living with MS experience fatigue. So it is a big issue out there for people living with MS. 
it's really big and I know exactly what you mean. I think I was I was really naive <laughs> before with what I thought fatigue was and then uh, here comes MS and, and shock central. It was it's a really difficult thing to explain to people because unless you've personally felt it, people just wouldn't necessarily believe. And I quite often get fobbed off with age. Oh, you're getting older now. Your hangovers last longer or X, Y and Z. And it's all age based and it, it's really infuriating because it does feel so different and it's really, really hard for somebody to distinguish between what is normal tired and, and, and what's fatigue. And I still get normal tired on top of my fatigue. So I know sometimes if I have some caffeine, I might be able to shift a little bit of the tiredness, the normal person's tired as I as I call it. But that fatigue is so hard hitting. You could drink gallons and gallons of coffee, <laughs> not advising anyone does that, and, and still not have any kind of impact. Has it been really hard for you to explain your fatigue to people? And have you come across any quite absurd comments <laughs> about it at all? <laughs> well, I can relate to the age comment and you're not old, Ellen, I'm older than you. <laughs> and people say to me, oh, you know, we all, as we get older, we all sort of get fatigued. It's just a common day thing. And, and I'm like, no, no, but fatigue is completely different. And I suppose I've heard of fatigue explained in a different way, but I explain fatigue as a battery, a car battery, and everyone can relate to a car battery. And when you don't have MS, if you get tired or or fatigued, it's a lot easier to recharge your car battery. So your car battery can be 100% charged, you get a bit fatigued and you recharge your car battery pretty quickly. When you've got MS, your car battery maximum charge won't be 100%. It might be 50% or 70%. And when someone with MS gets fatigued and they use their full charge of their car battery, it takes a lot longer to recharge even up to the 50%. So I don't think a lot of people quite understand fatigue, but when I explain it to them using a car battery, they go, oh, I actually get that. I understand, you know, if the car battery was five years old and it, and it takes so much longer to charge it up and it won't get charged up to 100% like a new car battery. Yep, I get that. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that that's a really nice analogy to use. And and I've, I've been frustrated myself before. I mean, a lot of people use the spoon theory to explain their energy levels. And, and sometimes I just think, oh, I don't even have spoons in my cutlery drawer. I'm working with knives and forks and <laughs> I don't have any spoons to give. So I think it's a much more easy analogy for people to understand and relate to because most people you know, we'll understand how a battery works. I mean, I, I feel like I've done myself a bit of a injustice, really, when I explain my MS to people, because time and time again, I would refer to myself as being tired. And I think people can understand tired. And then they're just thinking that I haven't got a good night's sleep, or I've been out too late, or I've inflicted that tiredness on myself, because that's their understanding of tired. So it is it's quite challenging sometimes. And I, I've been very guilty of using the wrong terminology and kind of leading people to believe that my fatigue isn't perhaps as bad as it is because they see me working that full-time job and they see me going out with my friends. Obviously, it must just be something that I'm doing wrong, even though I'm pushing through and, and, and struggling with that. Do you use certain words to really emphasise the fact that it is fatigue? I do try and explain that it's not just general tiredness and that MS fatigue is something different. And I explain that um, when I do get fatigued, I 
need to have a rest. And that rest is basically being out for the count, you know, for around 45 minutes. That's for me. Everyone's different. And I try and explain it by saying it's like having a general anaesthetic. And a lot of people have at least had some type of operation. And I explain that if I'm so tired that I lie down, I could probably count back from 10 and I wouldn't get to zero. I'd probably end up counting back to about eight and then I'm out for the count for 45 minutes. I cannot hear a phone ring. Nothing will wake me up from that really, really deep slumber. And then after 45 minutes, I'll wake up, but I'll feel a lot better and I feel like I've then got over my MS fatigue and I can keep going with my day. And would you give that same advice to people that you're, you're health coaching as well? I'd actually tell them that not to get to that stage and not to keep pushing because the more you push, the more time it takes you to get over that fatigue and it's better to read your fatigue and monitor it and plan your day so that you're not getting as fatigued, making sure that you're taking short breaks, um, making sure you're taking a lunch break. I, I know so many people that say, oh, I'm so busy. I can't do that. I've got to work over my lunch break. But the normal person, as in the person who doesn't have MS, gets tired in the afternoon if they don't have a break, let alone someone that has MS. And I have 30 minute lunch breaks and I actually choose sometimes to work through them since I've been working from home because actually for me, I know I'll sit down and I probably won't get back up again. So I do push myself and it's stupid and I, and I shouldn't do it. And I, I do end up paying for that. But I often find myself having to explain to people what it feels like and to, to try and put it into you know everyday life scenarios for them so they can kind of get a feeling for what fatigue might feel like. And quite interestingly, I saw just this morning on social media, a post that's doing the rounds, someone saying that they never really appreciated fatigue until they had got COVID and it's been a long lasting kind of episode for them and, and they finally understand this scenario and, and it's trying to kind of really resonate with people. I know for me, because a lot of my, my friends, we're starting to just come out of the uh, the other side of going out <laughs> all night and going on girls holidays but I often try and relate it to things like that and I say you know it could be that you've gone on this girls holiday you're out every night you're in the sun you don't want to sleep you come back home and all you want to do is sleep and eat vegetables that's kind of what fatigue feels like to me not the vegetable part because I think even no matter how tired I am I'm still just gonna eat junk food I think they can understand that moment when they get home and all they want to do is just sleep and when they close their eyes, they can just nod off straight away. Uh, obviously, I can't use that analogy with everyone because I think my work colleagues would think that I'm a, I am go out too much if I was to explain that to them. But then I can use other kind of ways to describe it. Like my nurse has said to me that people living with MS, because of where our lesions are, our brain has to work 10 times harder, probably more than 10 times harder to send that signal and send that message across. So it's really, really, really hard to to explain it but I do try my hardest at times to really push that message home that it's not just tiredness it's not just having to to have a little nap and you can wake up and feel 100% again it, it's just it completely completely different do you think that you have any particular triggers for it I know this time of year in the UK probably not so much uh, in Australia the sun is shining out we're due a heat wave I'm glad it's the morning otherwise I'd be uh, 
starting to get very hot in my room right now, but I find that heat can be a massive impact on my fatigue levels. Is, is that something that happens for you as well? Definitely. And I suppose in Australia, we can get the real extremes. I know in the UK, it can get very cold there, but in Australia, we can get over 40 degrees Celsius. And then in winter, where I work at the moment, during the night and early morning, it can get into the negatives. I've walked to work at negative one degree um, Celsius. And the extreme temperatures tend to trigger my fatigue. And I don't know if it's because my body or my nerves are working extra hard to send the messages when it's really cold or when it's really hot, but I find that my fatigue can get really, really bad. I was going to say that broken sleep patterns too can set it off. And that really does depend on how stressed you are, if you're sleeping well, if you're having to get up in the middle of the night and go to the toilet, which is another symptom of MS as well. So, you know, there's always a lot of other contributing factors, but I find if I just look at one, it's the temperature extremes. I I find that for me, it's not necessarily being too hot. It's very different for me. I could go and lay in the sun all day and be absolutely fine. But if you ask me in the middle of winter, to walk to town wearing my hat, my coat, all, all cosy, and then I go into a shop that's blasting out the heating, that will be the end of me. <laughs> it will be one extreme to another. And it's the sudden change in temperature I find for me can really, really impact me. And And I get some quite early sensory triggers with that as well. So I know that I'll start to get numbness and pins and needles and my, my cognitive, my abilities for speech seem to, to play a part in that as well. Can you tell when you're going to get this bout of fatigue? Come on. I definitely get the tingling sensations like little ants running under my skin. And that can be sort of on my hands or on my legs or even on my face. And that tends to tell me you're pushing yourself a little bit too hard. Just hold back a little bit. Make sure that you're pacing yourself. Um, make sure that you're getting a good night's sleep. And I know that if I am fatigued, the little tingling is the early warning sign. When I am actually fatigued, that's when I cannot find words to come out of my mouth correctly. I can't think properly. So that's, I suppose, the aftermath of when I've hit the wall. But the tingling sensations are my early warning signs. How, how have you found your fatigue levels given the circumstances at the moment? I, I know that you've been working from home. Have you found that it's been harder to manage? Because I've, I've personally really, really struggled with my fatigue levels when I haven't got this sense of routine that I used to have in my life. Is that something you've been experiencing as well? Oh, totally. I had a really good routine prior to COVID-19 becoming such a, a big issue everywhere in the world. I was walking to work, working and then walking home from work and also walking at lunchtime. So I had a really good routine of getting out and going for a walk and I find exercise really helps me to manage my fatigue. Now I'm working from home. The four walls are quite tiring you, you, you tend to do a lot more work in front of the computer because you're not having to get to work. And I'm making sure that I've organised telehealth sessions at my end of work time so that I'm not doing long hours at work because you can get into that routine and feel extremely fatigued at the end of the day. I found for me that 
because my job was very, very hands-on. I was, I was driving a lot of places. I was public speaking. I could be on the road for a few hours and then chatting to 300 odd school kids and then doing a workshop after, then driving home or doing an event at my work. And I'd find that I loved that. And I never, I felt tired, but I had this adrenaline that kind of pushed me through it. And then I'd get home and I would crash. I'd completely crash. And it would be bedtime. So my crashing time kind of coincided with when I was going to sleep anyway. So it wasn't as visible to me. Like my cognitive was going, but the only person was seeing it was my other half because, you know, he was in the house and everyone else has kind of avoided that. And they've seen this really on form Ellen during the day. And they probably wouldn't have recognized the person that had come home that, that evening. But what I found has happened to me a lot during the last few months is that because I'm not going out, because I'm not overexerting myself, I will be sat there and it will suddenly be midday on Wednesday and I'll crash. And it's like this build up of kind of my energy reserves just decides to to leave me at, at random points throughout the day. And, and it's really unpredictable. And it's, it's meant that people are probably picking up on my MS a lot more now it's been a lot harder for me to disguise and it's been a lot harder for me to pretend and to to mask my fatigue. I mean, there was one example where I had my manager call me at 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> where are you, Ellen? Um, I slept through all my alarms and I felt so guilty. I wouldn't have felt guilty if I'd woken up and said, I'm really sorry, I've got a bit of a cold today. But because it was my MS and because it was fatigue, I just felt so ashamed and and so embarrassed by having to explain that that was the reason why. And do do you ever feel that? Do you ever get that sense of guilt with your fatigue? I totally get that sense of guilt, especially because you start to wonder if you can actually hold down your job. Mm. Because if you're getting so fatigued and sleeping through alarms, you know, you you start to wonder, oh, can I actually do this job? is my fatigue going to stop me from actually doing my job? And I was going to say before too that I'm finding that during COVID-19, I'm getting a lot more anxious around what's actually happening here in Melbourne. And I'm finding that that's probably adding to my fatigue as well. So, you know, there's quite a few different factors that are influencing my fatigue. And I'm sure that others would be feeling that as well. You mentioned there about the the kind of that self-doubt about not knowing if you could do your job. And I'm sure with your line of of work and the people that you've interacted with and and helped and supported, they would be feeling something similar. So how would you coach someone who who does have that sense of self-doubt? Well, when I was health coaching and also even part of peer support, I explained to people that there is a reason why you've got the job. You've actually got the skill set to do it and you need to start to work out how to manage your fatigue So the fatigue, yes, it it can be an issue, but the thing is that you've got that job because of the skill set and your employer should be more aware of the fact that you can get fatigued so you need to possibly take little breaks in the day so that you can reach the end of the day without being totally wiped out and not having to take three days off to recover from your fatigue. So It's a matter of trying to pace yourself and understand when you actually need to take the breaks, but you do have the skill set required for that job. And I have to tell myself that too. I've got the skill set. I've got all these great skills that I want to use. 
I just need to know how to manage my fatigue and I need to put in place a plan during the day and for the whole week to make sure that I'm pacing myself and that I'm not trying to do too much in the week. Yeah, I've been so guilty of self-doubt, but I also feel like I get too frustrated and very, not angry, angry is not the right word, but I'm I'm just thinking of an example when I had an appraisal once and I remember my manager at the time telling me that I could give more and I wasn't giving 100%. And I knew that my outcomes looked like 70%, but I knew that I was putting in 110. I knew that I was sacrificing seeing my friends in the evening. I knew that I wasn't getting to go on my dog walks. I knew that I wasn't getting that chill out time with my behalf when I got home because I was really, really trying. And it's frustrating when, and it makes you wonder why you sacrifice so much sometimes, but then that's not everyone's point of view. And, And I think once I explained the situation that there was a lot more understanding, it does go a long way to have quite open conversations with your employer if you're able to about that but you also mentioned about how you manage your fatigue and said exercise you used to walk to work and you've been doing your tv workouts uh, of an evening obviously there's medication that you can have fatigue but with the more like holistic remedies and with exercise tell me how you deal with it how do you deal with fatigue in your everyday life Well, I haven't found a a silver bullet medication to help with my fatigue, and I'm not sure if there is one out there. There has been no medication offered to me to address my fatigue. I just make sure that I have a routine. I have a routine of how I go to bed. I try and go to bed at around the same time every night so that my body gets used to that. I make sure I have a shower and not everyone wants to have a shower in the in the evening, but I do because it helps me to wash away the day's activities, the day's dirt, just any type of stress. And it probably de-stresses me for me to go to bed. I'll make sure I brush my teeth. <laughs> You'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> there is some medication that helps with several MS symptoms, including not having to get up several times during the night to go to the loo. So I do take that medication and that does help me to go to sleep. I must say that when I first got diagnosed with MS, I would have a great night's sleep. I would sleep for eight hours and I'd wake up around the same time. I do wake up around the same time now, but my sleep is probably a little bit more interrupted And I'm finding, and when I was health coaching, a lot of my clients would say that their sleep wasn't as full, you know, now rather than um, prior to being diagnosed with MS. Yeah, I can really, really resonate with with that. It's been a bit of a journey for, for me with medication and I love my healthcare professionals, but I just felt like I was put in a situation where it was like, we can't do anything else for you. And uh, now knowing what I know doing the advocacy work there's there's so much support out there for people I had an amazing conversation um, on my last podcast regarding cognitive behavior therapy in, in relation to fatigue and I know that there are some other medication which is a bit of a postcode lottery depending on what country you live in to what you get and I, I do just think that something like fatigue should be taken as, as seriously as as optic neuritis or a mobility issue because it really does have huge implications on on someone living with MS and their ability to do things. Completely true what you said about the disturbances for for sleep. I too have that same medication and it does help a lot being able to know that I can sleep a lot better. But I have a fitness tracker 
and I wear it to bed and it monitors my sleep and it's still disturbed no matter what I do it's uh it's always <laughs> it's always been quite bad I mean how do you manage with your sleep you say you go to bed quite early and you well, you have like your set routine for bedtime and would you give that same advice to someone that you're coaching or um, would you work it around their lifestyle? Yeah, I um, I would always give advice around trying to get into a routine, go to bed around the same time. Don't have any screen time just before you go to bed because that really stimulates your brain. Don't exercise just before you go to bed too because that really stimulates your body. And don't drink tea and coffee just before you go to bed because, you know, that can actually keep you awake too with all the caffeine. Make sure that you exercise. I remember some of my clients um, hadn't really exercised and I got them to start to get into a bit of a routine of exercising, possibly at lunchtime. And a lot of them did say, yep, their sleep did improve, which was wonderful news. So I suppose... There's a whole lot of different little things to do. There's no silver bullet with regards to good quality sleep, but and everyone will be different. I know some people were okay with drinking coffee before they went to bed. Maybe they had so much caffeine over their lifetime that they were immune to sleeplessness because of (laughs) coffee. But in general, good routine so that you can wake up around the same time as well. Broken sleep is not great for your fatigue. I know that when an In a previous role, I had to do international phone calls at like two o'clock in the morning and they would finish at around 4.30 in the morning. Sleeping before and after those meetings, my sleep quality was really bad and it was so broken and I wasn't allowed to sleep in because I was managing a team of people Um, and my boss said, no, you've got to be in at at nine o'clock because you've got a team of people that you've got to manage. My quality of sleep was so bad that I had a really bad relapse and I I suppose that was sort of the realisation of uh, my MS. I have been so, so guilty of trying to exercise at the wrong time and I completely know what you're getting at when you say don't do it just before you go to bed because I just get this rush of endorphins and then another reason why I can't shower before I go to bed because showers tend to wake me up. So I've noticed if I get up before work, which is sometimes a really, really horrible hour up before the sun is and I, I go to the gym, I find that my day is a lot more productive. My fatigue is a lot better. It's a lot more manageable and I get to sleep in a quicker time. And it really, really does help me to do it that way. But it has been a lot of trial and error to to get to that point and to have the energy to work out in the first place. You have to go through this really weird transitional stage where you do feel a bit more fatigued before you feel better. But it it does seem to, to get there. Have you changed things like your diet at all? I've always had a pretty good diet and I've always been heavily into sport. So it wasn't a a huge leap for me to make sure that I was exercising and eating well. But I must say when I was health coaching, a lot of people didn't have great diets. They were um, eating a lot of saturated fat. They weren't walking or, or, or doing any type of exercise. They were following certain MS, and I put that in talking marks, (laughs) MS diets, which were maybe not so good for them because it just meant that they might not be getting the required vitamins and minerals of certain food groups that they should be getting. So I haven't had to change too much in that way. I think I've had to change more in 
making sure I don't push myself too much. I'm the type of person who will just keep pushing, pushing, pushing and set myself all these big goals. I've had to learn to pull back and pace myself. I've had to look at other areas of my life where I've had to um, make sure that my fatigue doesn't get so bad that I have to take three days off work to try and recover from it. Yeah, you do always have to, to factor that in, don't you? And, and again, just going back on the guilt thing, I've had times where I felt extremely guilty about my fatigue, maybe after going to a music festival or something like that. And I'll just look at <laughs> look at uh, Nick, my fiancé, and, and, and I'll I'll just see him pass out in the corner having a good old snore and I'm like actually everyone would feel like this uh, if they've overdone it and I don't beat myself up about it and I don't make myself obsessed with diets because although obviously there's a lot of evidence out there to show that diet can be very beneficial but as a supplement to medication and looking after yourself and and all the other factors that come into it. So it's quite interesting to know that you've maintained that healthy lifestyle that you were living before, but you haven't made any drastic changes. One thing that I did want to ask, because I don't think it's spoken about as much, is, is fatigue, 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 but insomnia is a big part of MS fatigue. It, it does have a huge impact. Is insomnia something that you struggle with? I know that you said before that your head can drop off on a pillow and five, four, three, two, one, you're gone. And I can be the same if I'm anywhere but my bedroom, if I'm sat on the toilet, if I'm sat on my sofa, <laughs> if I'm sat at a friend's house, guaranteed I can fall asleep in five seconds in the most obscure of places. But put me in my bed, no. I just find it very hard to switch off and I can be awake for hours. So is that something you experience? Well, it's interesting you say that because I'm finding as I get older and I've had my MS a lot longer that I am probably feeling some insomnia um, traits. I know that people with multiple sclerosis can often have trouble sleeping soundly and I believe that there is probably a high percentage of people living with MS that do experience insomnia. And, you know, it could be for a whole lot of reasons. Talking from my own experience, I can get insomnia from stress, stress about work, wanting to make sure that I'm delivering high quality work, but also a great deal of it. I'll sometimes get little spasms in my legs and that starts irritating me so I can't get to sleep and I start tossing and turning. Sometimes pain, I can get um, quite painful migraines to the point where I cannot sleep. And I know some people can have depression and that can cause them not to sleep and to worry and cause anxiety. So there are a lot of factors that can contribute to people having insomnia. I, I used to think I knew what insomnia was and perhaps it was. It's just very, very different. So when I was a uni student, I would be up until four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning finishing assignments and then wonder why the next day I couldn't get to sleep until the same time because I'd been laying in for all hours until it was nearly evening time. So I kind of got into that pattern, but that was just bad routine. That wasn't insomnia. And then I had other times I went through a real spell actually just thinking about this now where I used to have quite bad night terrors and I remember forcing myself to stay awake to the point where I developed a bit of insomnia because I just was too scared to sleep and this is really a really different feeling with insomnia it's like I said like five minutes before I could have had to have carried myself off the sofa because I'm falling asleep and by the time 
I've you know walked up the stairs I'm I'm just not tired well I am tired I'm so tired it's crazy how tired I am but I just cannot sleep and it is really really difficult and I can just see that could have real implications with people's mental health and being able to switch off and to live day to daily like life with without having that hanging over them the whole time. We've touched on COVID-19 and how that's impacted your routine at the moment. How do you see things going forward? Do you, do you think that there's some good takeaways from working from home at the moment? Are there things that you're going to put in place and, and try and keep in place to help with your fatigue, given that the, everything's going to change quite a, a lot, I would imagine? There have been some positives about working from home. It can help you manage your fatigue. I know that I said that I'm more fatigued in a sense because I'm constantly working from home. And part of that is also the isolation, not having other people to bounce ideas off, being quite socially isolated. But working from home, I'm saving myself one and a half hours each way of travel and I'm able to be more effective not being tired from travelling, as you had pointed out too, that um, that was part of your role. But also making sure that you do have breaks because you can tend to have a lot of screen time (laughs) when you're working from home and not getting up and talking to someone else or going up and going to a meeting because all your meetings are done via um, Zoom or MS Teams. Look, there's pros and cons. And I suppose I'd love to have a combination once COVID-19 is all over and done with and we've got a vaccine out there. I'd love to be able to sometimes work from home so that I can basically roll out of bed, have breakfast, clean my teeth and sit in front of the computer and not have to glam up and worry too much about um, going into the office. But then also being able to go into the office and interact with the participants and your colleagues So it's having that really nice balance. You also need to make sure that you're motivated to take those breaks, to get off your seat, to go for walks, get away from the screen, and even just to do a bit of mindfulness and concentrate on your breath for a little while. I know um, earlier on my watch dinged, telling me to be mindful and to start listening to my breath. So even if you have little... um, prompters to make sure that you're looking after yourself. I really would imagine that after doing a podcast today, something that's quite different, that you're probably going to sleep very, very well tonight because obviously it is your your nighttime over there now. And I often find that when I do something new or, or slightly different and exciting, that it just drains that little bit more energy, but in in a positive way, because I feel like we've had a really, really amazing conversation today and, and I've absolutely loved talking to you I always love talking to you Karen and I know we could probably carry on talking for for a very long time about our experiences and this is just a conversation on fatigue there's so much more to MS so thank you so so much for coming on today and, and speaking with me about all your personal experiences and for sharing your expert opinions and I really hope it's been helpful to to everyone listening so thank you so much for for coming on. Oh, thank you so much, Ellen. I really always love talking to you as well. I I have a great time discussing um, anything about MS with you. A good take out of this is, um, you know, the power of a good night's sleep is great for not only people living with MS, but other people who don't have MS.
And a wise man once told me, I can't remember who this wise man was, it could have been a woman, but someone once told me that there's two things in life that you should spend money on. One is shoes and the other is a mattress because you spend the majority of your life on your feet or in bed. So definitely (laughs) invest in a good mattress if you haven't got one already. But again, thank you so much for joining us. And to everyone else out there, please join us again on Neurotransmissions where we'll be discussing another topic important to the MS community. The Neurotransmissions podcast series is created by Novartis Pharma AG.